Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 30. Episode number 30 of the Building Strength Podcast. It's your boy, Theo Lim, coming at you on this beautiful Wednesday, July 11th, 2018. I hope you guys are having a great week so far. I hope you're having a great day. So just some context for you. It's about just about 10 a.m. this morning. I ran two small group sessions this morning from 6.30 to 9 a.m. Came home, settled down a little, gathered all the questions from you guys for this podcast. So really appreciate all the questions that you guys sent me. We've got a solid amount to go through today, so it's going to be a good one. I haven't done a longer podcast in a while, so I'm excited to do this one. I know the last couple weeks have been 20, 30 minutes, just not cutting it. So with that being said, just a word from our sponsor, The Loving Kindness Meditation. So let's just take 10 seconds to think about two people in your life and just wish happiness for them. You don't have to say it out loud, just do it in your head. That's great. So everyone feel better? Hell yeah. All right, so now that we're all feeling good, let's get right into it. Number one, there's always that person who asks, what's your training looking like right now? So my current training for the last six weeks has been two to three strength training sessions, um, big lifts, deadlifting, bench pressing, um, squatting's taking a backseat right now because my knee's a bit um, off, so that's not feeling too good. But still doing some leg work, lots of sled work, lots of sandbag work. So two to three strength and conditioning sessions. And also two sessions with my boy Chris. Uh, We've been doing a lot of boxing, so just pad work. So two sessions of that. And then I'll play basketball one one or two times a week. And on top of that, hitting yoga one time a week as well. So got lots of variety right now um i don't think i've had this much movement variety ever again two to three strength and conditioning sessions two boxing slash pad work sessions one yoga session and then one to two times of basketball that's how i'm currently rolling um honestly the training's there i'm feeling really good but what's carrying a lot of it what's like What's producing a lot of the results that I'm feeling and seeing right now is coming from the nutrition. The nutrition is 100% carrying me. All right, second question. What are the benefits of loaded carries? I always hear about loaded carries, like farmer's carries being very good for you. What's the benefit though? So loaded carries, I do these a lot. 
I do these a lot for myself. I do these a lot for my clients. For me, the bang for buck, the value that you get from doing loaded carries is amazing. So loaded carries, there are many different variations. You're really just picking, picking up some kind of weight and walking with it. So a couple different variations. You can do farmer's walk with two dumbbells, one in each hand, or kettlebells. You can do a suitcase walk, which is just on one side. I like to do uh, front rack carries with kettlebells, so you can hold two kettlebells in that front rack position. Uh, you can do overhead carries, so pushing the weight over your head and walking as well. Another couple variations I like is doing the sandbag zercher carry, so just hugging a sandbag or a big medicine ball into the chest and just walking like that. So what happens when we pick up heavy weights? First things first, your hands have to grip the weights. So immediately, because you're squeezing the kettlebells or dumbbells, that means your forearms are working. And if you try it right now, if you squeeze your fists, make a fist as hard as possible, the forearm's gonna fire, the upper arm is gonna work a little bit, and of course, the upper back is doing a lot of stabilizing. And then you start walking with it. You start introducing some movement. The core is challenged. And again, the core consists of the whole cylinder, not just the front, but also the obliques in the side and your low back as well. And then from there, the hips are getting in a lot of work just because you're walking, but you're also loaded with weight. So the hips have to deal with that locomotion as well. And the same thing with the knees, the ankles, and the feet. So loaded carries, big, big fan. If you don't currently do any variation of them, I highly recommend to add them into your program. Um, you can do it for distance. You can do it for time. Just like every other exercise, though, always striving to progress in some way, shape, or form. So progressing your distance with the same weight, maybe progressing the weight in the same distance, doing more sets. So lots of different ways to go about it. Very simple. Again, it always comes back to like the most effective exercises are the simplest ones. Like we're literally just picking up weight and walking with it. So big fan of loaded carries. It's in all of my programs. It's in all of my clients' programs. Highly recommend. All right, question number three. How do you know you're squeezing the muscle? That's a good question. Um, I guess this is someone who maybe they're trying to figure out like maybe they don't feel the muscle as they do the exercise. So I think that's why like most people would ask this question. Um, for me, I think teaching someone to squeeze their muscle while they're doing the exercise, before I do that, I don't really do that anyway. I will get them to feel how that muscle feels when it's contracted, when you're flexing, when it's squeezed. I'll just get, I'll just, 
like I'll stand with them and I'll teach them to flex whatever muscle uh, they're trying to feel more. So for me, when I talk, I do this a lot. Like this example comes to mind because I do this a lot. When I teach people how to deadlift, I have to show them how to get their lats tight. So what I do while we're, while we're standing, you can also do this right now. While we're standing, we can just raise your arms to about your mouth level, both of them, and just shove them both down. Arms straight, just shove them straight down. And from there, you should feel all that tension in the back, like in the lats, um, near the armpits, right? So that's how I like to do it. Another example is teaching someone to squeeze the glutes to lock out the deadlift. I will, before, like without the bar, we'll just stand there and I'll say, okay, standing there, squeeze the hell out of your butt. Just like squeeze it all together. Um, generally people get that pretty quickly. They'll stand there and they can squeeze. So what I like to do is I'll get them to feel it when they're just chilling, when they're not performing an, an exercise. And what I find is that when they do go to perform the exercise, now that they know how to feel it or activate it and what to feel and how it should feel, then they generally have a good idea of how to squeeze it while they do the exercise. And then in terms of when people are doing smaller movements like bicep curls, uh, chest flies, leg curls, leg extensions, I usually remind people that you can think of it, an easy way to think about it, about those movements is to stretch and to squeeze. So let's use bicep curls for an example. With our arms straight, if I curl my arm up, I'm squeezing at the top of that. And as I lower the weight, you're stretching that muscle. So that's the eccentric, and then squeezing is the concentric. So there, those are like the two main phases. Of course, there's the isometric phase, but what, I'm not gonna get into that right now. But really, I just remind people, it's a different mindset versus like bicep curls versus uh, barbell squats. Bicep curls, I want you to stretch and squeeze that muscle. I want you to feel it. I want you to just do a great job at feeling it and just fuck up your bicep. Versus barbell squats, it's more like, okay, feel how you're organizing your body and then execute the movement to the best of your ability. So in terms of how to how you know you're squeezing the muscle, I think just teaching someone to feel it while they're just standing there, and then that will help them feel it while they're doing an exercise. So three down. All right, we got some heavy questions coming up. Not sure if I'm prepared for this. Loosing it up, shaking it off right now. All right. Next question. How do you handle being sad? 
How do you cope with fear and depression when it comes creeping up on you? Whew. All right, I'm, I'm sure everyone deals with this, so this is going to be a great question. Thank you for asking this question. This is great. How do I handle being sad? Okay, this is great because I'm, me personally, I'm actually a very, very emotional person. Um, I, I know a lot of you guys who know me in real life or who interact with me. I'm very calm most of the time, like 90, 95% of the time. I'm very calm. I'm very collected. Um, and this is something I get from a lot of people. Like they say, usually people tell me that I'm very Zen, but you just haven't seen my crazy side is the thing. So I'm actually a very emotional person as in not like emotional, like sad or like gonna break down and cry but I'm very like I can get very aggressive and frustrated and upset like I'd say those are the three words to describe like when I get out of my zen moments I can be very upset I can be very aggressive I can be very frustrated, like very frustrated. And this usually happens when something is happening that doesn't align with my values or my expectations. Um, so I'm very aware of this. And I'm very aware of that. Like I, which is why I'm so cool, calm and collected most of the time. Because I know like how easily I can get frustrated. So over the years, I've worked on this a lot. Just like non-reaction to things that happen or things that people say. And I'm going to say most of the time, I do a pretty good job of it. Um, but in terms of being sad, um, handling fear and depression... How do I handle being sad? Honestly, I'll like, I will just not do a whole lot when I'm like, if I'm really upset or if I'm just like really not feeling it or I feel, I call them depression naps. Those are the naps that happen from like 1 p.m. to 3.30 to 4 p.m. And you just, you just sleep because you don't want to do anything else. So sometimes I do that. Like if I'm really not feeling it, I'll just take a nap. <laughs> and sometimes I'll feel better. Sometimes I won't. I think what's important here is that... Hmm, this is a tough question right here, actually. I think for me, when I get sad or when I get depressed... It's because things aren't going my way or I think things aren't going my way um, or I think or I get down on myself because I think I can do better or I know I can do better. Um, so 
in terms of being sad, like I'll, one thing I like doing is that when I feel a certain emotion, because at the end of the day, emotions are just emotions, feelings, emotions, thoughts. These are all temporary things. And it's our decision whether we want to attach to them or not attach to them. If you attach to your sadness, that's fine. But just don't attach, don't be attached to it for too long. So I've heard this from a lot of people actually, where they'll give themselves that five minutes to just like fully immerse themselves in that sadness and depression. And then after that, I think it's just a realization that, yes, I feel that way right now, but I could feel, I could feel the total opposite in the next second if I allowed myself to. So it's just not getting attached to that sadness or that depression. Um, I'm not sure. I thought, I really thought I'd have a lot more to say about this but I really don't like you just kind of deal with it. And then like you could, there have been times in my life where, yeah, I was like, fuck everything. I'm just going to be a hermit. I'm just going to chill at home. Don't do anything. Like I don't want to do anything. And yeah, that you could carry that on for day for a couple days, a couple weeks, but like, you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. So for me, I really try to minimize and I really try to minimize how much time I'm spending in those states. Um, This is a tough question for me because I don't think I've ever dealt with like any mental health issues or actual depression. Like I know people actually are like clinically depressed. I'm not really sure what that means, but again, that's why I feel like I can't answer this as well because I haven't actually experienced those things. So I think there are people out there who are actually clinically depressed, um, perhaps like bipolar or just dealing with some kind of mental health. Um, And that's not something I deal with. I, for sure, I felt sad, I felt depressed, I felt scared, but I just try my best not to hang on to it for too long, because you don't really get a whole lot from it if you just hang on to it, like, you could, yeah, you could feel sorry for yourself, but what's that going to do for you or for anyone? And one thing I do is like, I really just try to keep my head, keep my eyes on the prize. Like, okay, why am I doing all this? Okay, here, here's something I think that can actually help you guys. I think a lot of this comes down to having a strong enough why. If you have a strong enough why in your life, you'll be able to endure pretty much anything right so having a strong why 
has helped me a lot. It took me a little, it took me a lot of time to figure out what my why was, quote unquote, why. And this is just like your reason for living. So for me, the big picture, the why, the reason why I'm doing any of anything I'm doing, aside from enjoyment of it. And so the big why is, okay, so I really love my girlfriend. Um, I truly enjoy being with her. And she's basically the one. So my girlfriend has a few kids. And I know that if I want to be, if I really want to be with her, if I really want to make this work, if I really want to have a good life with her, that it will not entail just supporting myself and her. It will entail supporting myself, her, and her family as well. So with that in mind, I'm like, okay, I really need to get this shit. I really need to get my shit together. I need to uh, really work on this business, really focus on what I'm doing here. So I think that would it would be a lot different if I wasn't dating her. Say I was single, my why would be a bit different because then the drive to do well in business, um, grow my gym business, like that drive might not be as strong because I'm only thinking about supporting myself. Who knows? I don't know, right? And an, another big why in my life is my family. So my parents, um, if you guys are regular listeners, you already know that whole story. But for me, in my head, it's like, okay, I need to do well so I can support them when when, and if they can no longer support themselves. So that's another big driving factor. And then, so those two are like my external factors. My, that's like, that keeps me on point because I can't let these people down. Um... Like, yeah, I can't let these people down. But really, the one of the biggest things is I can't let myself down. So there's a really big internal drive as well, in addition to those external drives. And I feel like that really helps me keep my head in check. It helps me keep my eyes on the prize. Um, so that's a really big thing. I'm, I guess if you haven't figured out your why then you're kind of just running in place. There's no like solid goal or reason to work towards any goals because I don't know what, if you don't have a reason to live or if you don't have a good enough reason to live, then what's really happening? Um, so I hope I answered that well. I kind of disappointed in myself there (laughs) but this next question is going to tie right into this how do you deal with mental breakdowns so again um i have a strong why 
I revisit that why. I I recommit to it a lot. <laughs> like basically every time I write in the journal, I recommit to those goals. I recommit to the why. I write it down. Um, so I revisit it a lot. So it's in my head a lot. Um, and that I think is how I really deal with the mental breakdowns when they happen because they do happen. And one thing I want to address is that I find a lot of people because of the content I'm putting out and I, I know what kind of stuff I'm putting out. Um, because of the kind of content I'm putting out, people think I have my shit like fully together, which as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I totally don't. Like, I'm, I'm working on it, really trying, really working on it. So, I have my, I think, fair share of mental breakdowns, just like everyone else does. Um, some days, it's just like, it just didn't go the way you expected it to go. Or you wanted it to go. And then you get home and you're just like, fuck everything. Fuck this, fuck that, fuck everything. But, again, I try my hardest not to attach to those feelings because at the end of the day, they're just feelings and they're going to pass. So, you, I, I try my hardest not to attach to it. And then when I'm ready to do so, I will revisit why I'm doing all of this anyway. So, I'll step outside take a couple deep breaths and think about why I'm doing all of this. So having a strong enough why. So guys, if you haven't figured out why you're getting up in the morning, why you're going to your nine to five, why you're sitting in traffic to get there, why just really and I find you really just have to sit down give yourself 10 minutes 15 minutes sit down with a piece of paper with a pen or a pencil and just list like just put your thoughts down on paper like who are the people in your life that matter to you why do they matter to you Um, what are the things that make you happy or like in what way can you help other people um other questions to ask just like how can i help other people what's what what do i want my life to look like so that's a big thing um the mental breakdowns happen or being sad or being depressed happens because you're not happy about the way things are, right? So how can we change the way things are? How can we take steps forward to improve our situation? So I found that like visualizing the life you want to live versus complaining about the life you're currently living is a strong change of mindset. This is something that I work on a lot. And this is something that I try to remind my girlfriend of a lot as well. So as I said, I'm working towards a lot. 
I have big goals. And I got this from Grant Cardone. And he said, the generic answer is like, when someone asks you, like, what do you want out of life? What do you, um, yeah, what do you want out of life? The generic answer is that I want to be happy. Of course you want to be happy. And I want to be comfortable. And I want to have um, a comfortable amount of money so that I can live life. And that's just not specific enough. Like, yes, everyone across the board wants to be happy. Everyone across the board wants to be comfortable. Everyone across the board wants to do well. They want to live a good life. Now, let's get more specific. What does that look like for you? Like, when you say you want a... You want to be happy. Okay, what would make you happy? Would a house make you happy? Okay, a house would. Okay, so let's think about this because we really need to dial in on how you really want your life to look. Okay, how many bedrooms would you like in that house? How many bathrooms? Uh, what kind of like decor do you like? Do you Are you just a simple, like simple or do you want like something fancy? How many bathrooms would you like in your house? Because there's a big difference between having two bathrooms and five bathrooms. Um, how many cars do you want on your driveway? How many motorcycles do you want on your driveway? How many weeks of vacation would you like per year? Um, how many hours would you ideally like to work in a week? And would you like to work from home? Uh, or do you not mind commuting two hours into the office? So I've just found that, again, this requires you to sit down and take five, take, not five minutes, you need more than that. Take the time to sit down and figure this stuff out. Like really, I've really been big into planning in the last year, the last two years, three years, just planning as much of it as I can. And the thing with plans is that it doesn't always happen the way you want it to plans change but you just adjust and you keep rolling with it and again i'm big on the daily to-do list i'm big on the weekly goals the monthly goals the quarterly goals and the yearly goals because if you're not planning this shit out what are you really doing and i read something pretty cool yesterday the person was saying he was talking about setting up your schedule a week ahead of time and making it very specific. And a common objection of that is, I'm just not the planning type. I'm just not the scheduling type. Like, I'm just not the type to make a schedule. That's fine. But you have to realize that whether you make a schedule or not, you're still going to be on a schedule. You're just not going to be on a good one. Like, a poorly planned schedule is what's going to happen anyway. So take the time to figure your shit out. So in terms of mental breakdowns, in terms of being sad, in terms of being depressed, I think what often happens is that we are too beat up about what's about our life right now, but we're neglecting thinking about how we want our life to look like. And when you have that picture in your head, then you have a, like, a little more reason to keep going. 
rather than wallowing in your sorrow and sadness, right? And again, as I said, I also get sad. I also have my mental breakdowns. I have my moments too. It's just, are you going to overcome that or are you going to let it drown you? Right? And one thing that helps me a lot, right, is that I've experienced like a fairly large tragedy in my life with my father and his brain injury. But one thing I'm very aware of when I talk to people about that, one thing I'm extremely aware of is like, okay, does this person I'm talking to have a dad or do they not have a dad? Like, has their dad passed away already? Or maybe they never even met their dad. So for me, one thing I always think about, one thing I always say is that it could be worse. Although my father had a brain injury, he's still alive today. Some people aren't alive. Some people are still in the hospital five years later. Um, some people out there don't have a dad. Or their dad died when they were like 12. Or their dad died when they were 25. So I think just realizing that we don't actually have it that bad is always a very nice thought and it puts things into perspective it keeps us in check like if you're listening to this podcast right now you're most likely listening from your phone or from your laptop and if you're able to do that and you got the wi-fi or you got data like you're solid you're set you're lucky you're, we live in Canada or United States. We're, we're solid. It could be a lot worse. So I think having perspective is very important. Perspective and also the clarity and the vision of how you would like your life to look like. So in terms of dealing with that, I'm going to go with that. Make sure you maintain that perspective Make sure you sit down, take the time to really think about these things. These, these are hard questions to ask yourself, but really sit down so you can develop that clarity, that clarity, that vision, that focus, um, because everyone's out here hustling, everyone's out here grinding, but if you don't actually have a vision that you're grinding towards, all of your work will not be as effective will not be as efficient and focused. All right, switching topics. I've got two things. Well, okay, I'll go one by one. Okay, how can I go about marketing myself when I'm just starting out as a personal trainer or strength coach? All right, so... I'm not like the greatest person to ask for this because I don't think I do a great job at marketing myself as a trainer or coach. One thing that really stuck to me since my first day of training a client was that make sure you do a good job and make sure people know that you're doing a good job. So that's one thing that's always stuck with me, just like making sure I'm doing a great job in the gym 
and making sure that other people that aren't in the gym know I'm doing a great job. But also, I really, like, there are a lot of tools for us to use now. There's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn, Medium, podcasts. You can really put out content anywhere. And we're lucky enough to be, to live in this day and age where you can pretty much put out any kind of content you like for a very low cost, if there's any cost at all. So one thing I think that's important is when you start doing these things is to figure out your own values, figure out your training style, um, figure out your philosophy. And this will all come as you keep, as you put in the hours. And be true to yourself. Like be true to what you think is important what you value and don't follow any trends or don't follow any fads just because it's the in thing right now just do your thing do a good job at it and put in the hours so at this point in time i'm about three years closing in on three years of coaching and as i've mentioned in previous podcasts For me right now, it's just about putting in the hours, like just getting better at coaching. Um, So for example, I coach about 40 hours a week, roughly. That's in the gym, 40 hours a week. So for me, I'm just working on getting better at it every single time. Um, And then at the end of the month, that's 160 hours at the end of the year that's going to be close to 2000 hours. So for me, what's important right now is just kind of going at it, doing a great job and just getting better every time, being more confident in my own skills. And now that requires having clients. And I believe this is what this person is asking. How can you acquire more clients? What I did when I first started, I was lucky enough. I started with five clients. Yeah, five clients, two of them being my family members and three of them being my friends who are trainers and they were leaving that gym. They uh, passed on those clients to me, which was really awesome. That gave me a great start. So what I did, what I did was I sat down and I wrote down the names of all of the people I knew, literally all of the people I knew. And then from there... I kind of broke it down into different categories like okay these people there's a chance I could get these people to come train with me and then there's a chance I could not there's another list of people who was like ah this probably isn't happening so I made a list I contacted all those people uh, text message phone calls or just like next time I saw them and I asked them if they wanted to train And from there, I think that's how I got my dad. (laughs) My dad was one of my first clients and my cousin was one of my first clients. And I think I kind of just reached out and I was like, look, I have the space and I can train you down or not. And of course, at first, like they, I charged very little, if anything at all. Um, I think one thing, 
one thing that's definitely important is don't be afraid to work for free. There's lots of conflicting opinions on this. And I agree with all of them. Like, it all makes sense. Sometimes you shouldn't work for free. But there are times when working for free can be beneficial. So one great idea, like if you want one actionable thing, I think I got this from Zach Evanesh or Joe DeFranco, one of them. My, those are my two guys that I follow. Those are the guys I look up to. So this is what they said, and it's actually an excellent idea. If you have a space to train someone or a group of people, do a group of people, small group training, get four people that are serious, like just field your social media or your friends or whatever. Get four people who are interested in training and train them for free or very little amount, but whatever, just train them for free. Do like a 12-week program. So put out a post, okay, I'm doing a 12-week program. I need four people. Um, we're do, we're going to do whatever it is you do, strength, conditioning. Um, and we're going to train twice a week. Twice a week, same time for 12 weeks. And here's the, here's the deal, though. You're going to take progress pictures. You're going to take a before picture. And you're going to take six-week pictures. And then we'll take pictures at 12 weeks. Uh, maybe we'll do measurements as well. And then now, here you go. You have four people now. You get to experience programming for four people, working with four different people who may have injuries, who may have mobility restrictions. And just that's your chance to learn right there. So these people are going to show up twice a week. So two hours a week, 12 weeks, that's 24 hours of experience for you. Not including the time you're going to spend programming, not including the time you're going to spend talking to them inside or outside the gym. So there you go. That's like straight experience right there. And at the end of that, you're going to have before and after pictures. Boom. And you get a review. Boom. And all that, even if like, here's the thing, even if you get one client from all of that work, like at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. You get the experience. It's mostly experience. You get EXP points. You level up doing that. And you get the before afters. So you have some testimonials. I think that's the very actionable way to do it. In terms of marketing yourself, I don't know. I don't, me personally, I kind of market myself through Instagram. I've, don't have like a the greatest grasp on what I'm doing. I'm just kind of doing it. And at the end of the day, kind of just doing it is the way to go about it. Um, so whether that's going out there, introducing yourself as a trainer to more people or visiting more gyms, introducing yourself to the staff or owner of that gym, just going out there, meeting people, putting yourself out there. One of the big problems that most, if not all businesses have is that people don't know about us. Like that's literally our issue. There are a thousand people that live in this neighborhood, but how many people know that I'm a trainer? 
So I think that's our biggest issue, biggest problem, biggest hurdle to get over is getting people to know, like introducing ourselves so that people actually know us. All right. I hope I was able to answer that. I hope I provided some tips there. Next question, kind of similar. I'm studying kinesiology. What should I do to get into strength and conditioning? Okay, so you're in the program kinesiology. That's awesome. I think at this point in time, either if you're not already training people, do that. Or if you don't already have your PT certificate or whatever you need to like get in and start training people, do that. Just start training people. Um, I'm assuming you train yourself. So if you don't do that, definitely do that. But really just start training people or get a job somewhere where you can train people, right? Whether that's working at your university gym, whether that's working at the local gym. It really doesn't matter. I think the hands-on experience is the most important. Like, don't wait until you graduate to start training people because you're going to be way behind. At this point in time, just start putting in the hours. Start learning to program. Start learning to adjust that program. Start learning how to help people make progress and get better. So being in the kinesiology program is great. And definitely make use of your resources while you're at school this is something i didn't really do that well but make use of your resources like if there's someone in your program that you admire what they do introduce yourself to them chat them up like let them know that you're interested in what they're doing and i think that's aside from the education itself i think that's one of the biggest benefits of going to school is that there are other people there that are either on the same path or have been on the same path that you're on right now and it's important to connect with those people so that you can learn you can learn from them you can learn what to do what not to do so two things two answers to this Number one, start training people. However you can, just start training people. Start putting in those hours. Number two, find the people you admire or find the people who are on the similar path or have a similar mindset as you and hook up with them and just grow together. All right, we got two more. Sorry, I've been sniffling all podcast and it's been really upsetting me but staying cool about it not attaching to that upsettingness that's not a word okay your skin looks great lately what have you been doing differently thank you for that i actually get a lot of messages from that um my skin was pretty bad like a year and a half ago so i think people are noticing that it's a lot better now what have I done differently? Okay, a couple things. Number one, I did use a prescription drug. It's called Accutane. 
if you guys have issues with acne and if you've Googled and looked up acne uh, management or cures, you've probably come across Accutane. It's a very powerful, it can be a very dangerous drug when taken in very high dosages. Um, you definitely have to go see a doctor. You definitely have to go get blood tests done. But I was on Accutane for a couple months. I want to go back on it at some point to like fully, fully flush it out. But Accutane was very, very helpful. It's like, it works. 100% it works. There are a couple side effects of it. Like dryness of the lips. dry Overall dryness. And also, I think it did affect me permanently in two ways. Um, I'm not sure the science behind it, but Accutane does mess with the... I think it's because your body's literally drying out. That's why the lips get dry. Uh, hair, the scalp gets dry. But also one thing that happens, I guess the fluid in our joints, there's not as much. But joint pain, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence or feedback about joint pain. And I do think that it's contributed to my right knee pain. Because when I was on Accutane, I was also lifting very heavy at that time. A lot heavier than I am now. And I think that that wear and tear plus the drug did fuck up my knee a lot. So I'm currently dealing with that. And another thing that it messes with is like your nighttime vision. I've noticed mine is slightly inferior than what it used to be. But with all that being said, it does work. It really cleared out my face. It really cleared out my back, which I was very happy with. Um, I hear this a lot from other people, but it's like, I wish I had used it when I was 15, that I didn't have to deal with 10 years of acne. So Accutane really helped me, but also diet, nutrition, and hydration helped a ton like huge difference when I got my nutrition on point and then of course there are other things like um, showering after you sweat um, making sure you change your t-shirt after you work out another thing I did for a while I'm not as diligent about it now is changing my pillowcases so I would use the pillowcase on one side for one night I would flip it over use it for a second night and then boom, switch pillowcases, new one. Same with the bed sheets for the acne on the back. Just uh, cycling through the bed sheets a little more frequently, as well as your towels. So three things that help me: Accutane, getting my nutrition and my hydration down. Um, I did find a really good cleanser that helped me a lot. It is Cerave foaming cleanser. Cerave being C-E-R-A-V-E, foaming cleanser. That's the only thing I use on my face, and that has worked wonders for me. I've used that for a year and a half now. I'm super happy with it. You can find it at Walmart. I think it's like 15 bucks, and it lasted me like a year. So, and then changing, like just being a bit better with the hygiene in terms of the clothing, the bed sheets. 
all that good stuff. So thank you again for all those kind comments. I have literally, I've actually dealt with acne my whole life. And this past year or two, this past year where like my face has actually been clear most of the time, feels good. And now when I see other people with acne, I'm just, I'm just in my head. I empathize so much. I'm just like, just hold on. It's going to get better. It will get better. I promise. <laughs> All right. So last question. I work a lot. I'm a doctor and I work 80 to 100 plus hours a week, but I want to get my health in check. How do you suggest I go about my training? Okay, so you actually work a shit ton of hours. So this person, I think he said he was putting in 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And he's a doctor, so I was like, isn't it kind of crazy that you put in so much time helping other people, but as a result, you don't have time to manage your own health? That's a crazy thought. So anyway, I told him, okay, look, it looks like training after your work is not really the greatest option because who wants to train after a 12 to 14 hour shift? I know I wouldn't. So I said, okay, look, it looks like your only option is before work. And that is going to require you to wake up a little earlier. And then I asked, like, okay, is there a gym close to you? Is there a gym at the hospital? They said no. So I said, okay, I think the best thing would be home, doing your workouts at home and keeping it short. Because if you're working 14-hour days, I'm not going to ask you to work out for an hour. I might ask you to work out for, like, 20 to 30 minutes. So I think... 20 to 30 minute training sessions which I've been playing around with a lot lately I think for this person 20 to 30 minute sessions um, getting in there just high intensity go 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 um, I think and because that because your duration will be lower or yeah your duration will be a bit lower meaning your overall volume will be a bit lower that just means you have to jack up your, the other two factors of training. So you have to be very intense, you have to move fast, and you have to be very frequent. So you have to train frequently. So there's going to be a big difference if I, I get someone to train three days a week at one hour or six days a week, but only 20 minutes. So that's what I would do in that situation. Um, if you're very if you're very limited on time, just go in 20 minutes, bang it out. The endorphins are going to be rushing. You're going to feel good that you got it done. And then over time, your health will improve. One great analogy I read from Jordan Syatt is that, okay, look, here's the deal. If your car, if your gas tank is on empty, but you only have $15, that doesn't mean that you're not going to fill up your gas tank. Like, you're still going to fill it up. You're just going to do it for $15. Like, you're not going to fill your whole tank, but that's fine. You still need to get somewhere. 
So in terms of fitness, in terms of training, just because you don't have a full hour to work out doesn't mean you shouldn't do that 15 minutes that you do have. Because at the end of the day, 15 minutes is infinitely better than zero minutes. So I hope I was able to answer these questions. We're at about the hour mark, which was what I was looking for. So I really appreciate your questions, guys. Um, I hope you guys took away a couple things from this episode. As always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. I appreciate your feedback. If anyone has any more questions or if anyone has any follow-up questions, you know where to find me on Instagram. It's at Theodore.Lim. With that being said, have an excellent day. Have an excellent week. Get it in. Just get it in. Until next time, peace.